He must be this long to be black. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel left out. <laughs> Well, it's just regular maybe, maybe next year, John. <laughs> I just got this little kid size. <laughs> it's like a Happy Meal. It comes, with, it comes with a toy, though. No one told you to kidnap that kid. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, Amber Alert. Come on, John. <laughs> no, we're all children at heart, which means that we all might be in John's trunk of his car. <laughs> The, the Trump of my car. <laughs> just going to turn everything into Trump today. Uh, Except just with a T on the end. So it's like Trumped. 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 This pop filter works great. Yeah, too bad it doesn't yeah. keep out the terrible. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I'm ready. I am let's ready. Let's get to the podcast. <laughs> go, right, we're we're go. warmed up. Let's do this. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <clears throat> welcome back. This is the second session featuring our extra special, marvelous, very handsome, and just, just really masculinely attractive. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Michael Kinchin. Word around town is that you give the best <laughs> hugs. Is that true? Uh, I mean, yeah. I got, I mean, <laughs> there, there's that trademark modesty, right? <laughs> what can I say? No. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I give pretty good hugs, but when I hug Michael, it's like a, it's just like a, a blanket fresh out of the dryer. Right. That keeps um, you warm at night, but also forgives you of your sins. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My hugs cannot absolve. That's, a, that's not a thing. <laughs> It just help you feel a little bit better for a while. So. I feel better about myself. I didn't tell that lie today. <laughs> I was regretting that life choice, but you, yeah. your husband yeah. made me see the light. Yeah, I ran that old lady off the road, but I'm at peace with it now. So yeah, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very cleansing hug. Uh. Uh, but really, we can... Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself just so we can, so I'll have two of these to choose from, two right. of the telling me a little bit about yourselves to choose from. Right. So you're a, you're a multi-instrumentalist, but not in the normal way you think of multi-instrumentalist, which is somebody who plays a bunch of instruments really poorly. You're somebody who plays a select few instruments very well, I would say. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So... How, what, why do you play a lot of instruments? Why don't you just pick a bass and be done with it? Um, well, bass was actually the last one to, to join the party, so chronologically that would not be possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I started on piano uh, when I was three, um, there, was just, there was suddenly a piano in the house. My mom had recently purchased one uh, from the school that she went to. Is that the same one that's by your front door now? Yeah. Cool. That same upright Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love that thing, but, uh, yeah, I climbed up on it one day after we'd come back from a wedding, um, as she tells it. And I, uh, started picking out music that I'd heard at the, at the wedding that we had just left. 
Really? So just like, yeah, we got to get this kid lessons. Like he, yeah. He clearly is drawn to it, you know? So um, the first um, first song that you ever played on piano was Canon and D? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it was specifically that, but it, way, it may well have been. I, yeah. Or having a gila? <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I um, started taking lessons on that and met the saxophonist who was playing at the church that, uh, that I was kind of raised at and uh, immediately fell in love with saxophone and bugged my mom about it for a year and wound up recruiting the guy who played to, uh, to help talk her into it. And, uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, and... Finally won her over and went home and pulled off a fingering chart and figured out how to put the reed on there and played Amazing Grace for her. And so she was, okay, I'm sorry it took me so long. Yeah. Wow. How old were you? I was 10 at that point. Um, and then from doing that, I was playing in more band situations and I was around good bass players. I was listening to good bass playing and this fascination started to build and I realized that the only way to really get to grips with it was to own my own instrument and practice so mm-hmm. I, I bought a bass and she matched me on the amp cool and i was about 15 at that point cool yeah yeah that's my parents got me i was i wasn't quite as ambitious as you i don't think when i was that young yeah. i mean i wanted to play piano when i was a kid and so my dad started teaching me some little stuff but then i just didn't have the motivation to stick with it but i've always played it's been like yeah. it's just something i've always done yeah. But you don't hear many stories of that where young kids are like, I want to do this. And then they make it happen. They like do all these steps to like, to, to just do it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's been, it's been a big part of how I, how I interact with and understand the world around me. Yeah. Um, how I express myself and how I, um, kind of how I've learned about myself as I've become more of a person as I've gotten older, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been integral, literally, yeah. throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I've I've had some moments in my life where I've thought about putting it down and just like taking a straight job or something. Yeah. And and I can't. I mean, I've thought a lot, you know, dozens of hours about you know how. All right, you know, I'm, I'm broke as hell. What am I doing in my life? Yeah. How am I going to make this work? I should just be a fireman. I actually almost did that one time. You do look like a fireman, I have to say. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I like firemen, the way they look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to the point one time after solo, so after this hip-hop band I played with, uh, I was to the point where I was, I had like signed up for the fireman for the physical test, which is the first step of becoming a fireman, right. and like trained for it, started jogging, and was like going to the gym. I was ready for this test, and the morning of the test... I got a phone call from the drummer for the Embers, and he was like, well, you know, uh, looking for a bass player, and uh, your name came up, and uh, you'd like to offer you a job. It's a salary gig. And and I took it. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'll, salary job, I'll take it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Definitely hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been a couple other times since then where I'm like, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, it's like ingrained. It's how I – it's how I – see myself is how I like relate to the world yeah. is how I it's my whole social life yeah. pretty much <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to pull 
of the conversation to something that you said um, is how you express yourself. Yeah. And I had to, unfortunately, Google who did this quote, every proper studied musician probably knows that it's a John um, Sibelius quote, music begins where the possibilities of language end. Yeah. So what do you express from your instrument? Like you say, you express yourself. What is it that you feel like you can express through music that you can't through words? Um, all the all the intangible things, you know, um, all the the things that might become thoughts that can be expressed in words at some point, but are still coalescing. A lot of times, I can find them through music, um, or even even unnameable emotions. You know, there there's such a complex spectrum. It's kind of like a it's kind of like the light spectrum. Like mm-hmm. We're only able to perceive the small part of it. It's the same way with. Uh, with emotions, I think there's there's this huge spectrum, and we're only able to really, art, you know, articulate the small band of it. But there's there's more that can be expressed through art, through you know, visual art, through music. Um, yeah. And we've got names for like sections of the spectrum. Right. Same as light, we've got like red right. and blue. But with emotions, we've got like happy, and then there's joyful, and then there's jubilant, and then, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we've got names for little sections of it, but there's a whole range, you know, there's a whole spectrum. Yeah. And we can have multiples going on at the same time. Absolutely. In combinations that yeah. we can't really be conscious of because it would yeah. probably break our brain at some point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh. <laughs> you disagree. Did that kind of I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree enough to make a big deal out of it. Um, what I was going to say is, do you remember, because obviously the time when we expressed something that could be expressed in words was, uh, at the unity benefit hmm. and the, you were present there with us and right. someone, Jason Phelan yelled out mm-hmm. compassion and we played sort of our impression of compassion. And we, yeah. if it may not, hopefully it just wasn't my impression, but we all seem to be on the same page yeah which is it's interesting and that's another conversation um because my question is do you remember apart from that any other time where you had um sort of an inkling or emotion or a concept um that you were on stage in front of people that you could express that what was like the last time that happened um as specifically as like one yeah that you can remember one word um it was a similar, I guess it was a similar exercise um, in undergrad where cause it, the, the, the exercise was intended to get us to emote more through our, through our instruments. Mm. And so we were told to play a happy blues, play a sad blues, play a middle of the road, you know, kind of just medium blues. Um, more typically, though, I'm thinking more about how I feel generally, like my current state. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm trying to, it's mm-hmm. more what I'm trying to express. Right. Like, I want to play what kind of day I'm having, you know, yeah, or, how, yeah, yeah. or how I feel about this particular situation, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of times I don't have a choice. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I just pick up a bass and start playing, it is what I'm feeling at yeah. the moment. It is everything. Yeah. And it's, it can be hard to kind of force that into something else. Like, I don't, I don't play a lot of classical music anymore, but when I did at School of the Arts, it was hard to, like, I would have to write out a sentence at the top of the sheet of music of what 
this is, what I'm trying to portray with this piece. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the title did a good job of it. Sometimes it was like Minuet NG. Mm-hmm. And I had to come up with with something else that that I wanted to to express with it. Yeah. To give it a direction. So it's not just aimless notes or, you know. Yeah. And, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what I seem to express the most on my instrument is frustration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that in your playing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was going to ask you a question about your undergrad exercise. Did they ever throw you a curveball like play a blues sad, but in a major key? Because I feel like everybody's inkling is if it's going to be sad, it's going to be minor. You see, I'm, yeah, mm. I don't really see that as a curveball, though. I mean, if you if you listen to um Robert Johnson, um, Sunhouse, especially is one of my absolute favorites. There wasn't a whole lot of minor blues action going on. Right. Like they, were, mm-hmm. they, were, they were tuned in major and they were playing in major open tunings. Open tunings, so, yeah. So, yeah. And so, it was some of the saddest stuff you can listen to. Like, but, it'll wrench your heart. But there's something wow. about major keys that, you know, are extremely familiar mm-hmm. and can be uplifting if the, uh, if the lyrical content matches it. Right. How do you avoid that unique juxtaposition between something that's bright and something that's sad. It's a, I don't know. Phrasing has a lot to do with it as a, as a keyboard player, how I choose to, how I choose to voice things. Could you give us an example? Uh, Let's see. So you want something bright, but sad. Is that it? Sure. Yeah. That was great. Thanks. Was that a? Was that all like completely on the fly? Yeah, absolutely. So you're just putting the chords together as you go. Yeah. That was a great example of what you just said. Yeah. So John, how would you say we take it to kind of the extreme? What if you had to express sad with an up tempo major key um, swing tune? Um. But like. So, so key for the most part is fairly irrelevant to me. <laughs> Being a drummer. Well, yeah, okay. Um, but that's a very good, it's a very good question. To be honest, I've never thought about it. Yeah, it's just it's. I am at the beginning of connecting the emotive quality to my playing because I just now to me getting a handle of the technical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me get back to you. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool, cool. Good answer. Yeah. I don't know that I could. Um, hmm. It's tricky. It, um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine it in my head how that would go. Well, it would go like that. Michael <laughs> but, but faster. <laughs> but faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what we could do is maybe try. We could. Maybe, yeah. You want to try? Collectively, yeah.
Yeah, that's cool.
so too i was there were moments where i felt like i was expressing sad yeah. but not through the whole thing for sure it was kind of it was kind of a struggle actually to like yeah. to play and to play major and think about that and yeah. like keep it sad yeah so i think the thing <clears throat> that i played was aimless uh, and but like but lost like the emotion lost mm. not necessarily sad it was more sad because i don't know what the fuck i'm doing it's <laughs> 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 uh, it's a it's, a, it's like a, a place that you have to find you know and it's mm-hmm. and finding it is not the same as staying there what the thing is yeah what we're, what we're finding you know? right right uh, it's also, it's almost harder in a free improv setting like that because uh, the way that I kind of connect to that place takes me kind of being quiet for a minute and some space and like listening to what you guys are doing. Right. But I can't do that when there's only three of us and I have to lead as well. Right. Right. So like leading, I don't know, maybe if we did that 10 more times we would get to a place where I could feel like I was expressing yeah. more. I think that's that's one of the challenges that is pretty unique to improvisational settings is being present enough to improvise, yeah. But also being still being with you know deeply enough within yourself to be able to express what it is that you're specifically trying to express, and especially yeah. in a situation where you don't have a pre-existing song structure or something like that to work around, where you're making it all up as you go yeah you know? yeah, yeah 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 if we were to play maiden voyage again i f- might feel even more freedom to express myself yeah. because we have a structure to fall on right. you know like we know it'd be easier to say hey play maiden voyage sad yeah yeah exactly and to say hey make this thing up and <laughs> major and fast and sad exactly. <laughs> yeah that's pretty tricky yeah. that's pretty tricky yeah. i think i'm just gonna go listen to the fellowship a couple times and then come back hmm. Uh, Brian Blade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crooked Creek is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, major and sad. Yeah. It's, and it's in five too, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Super hip. I love that tune. I love that whole album. Yeah. That album was on repeat when I was touring around with that beach music band. Mm-hmm. We you know, on a tour bus the whole time, we get sick of each other pretty quick. Yeah. And so I'll just wear my headphones and blast that album really loud and it was just took me to a very peaceful yeah. land. Right. Classical music has always <laughs> been my travel music. Nice. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's always been um, better for me because I find myself escaping more so than being analytical. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm listening to jazz um, or any type of music that I sort of aspire to do, mm-hmm. then I'm always... I'm always trying to learn from it. Right. And I, I understand that that's a little bit of a detriment because you kind of miss 
a lot of the, hey, as a, a listener, as a consumer, as someone that we want, they want you to participate in what's happening. Yeah. Um, but classical music, especially like piano solo pieces, I'm, I can disconnect from the I'm a musician part of my brain and just listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Classical isn't relaxing for me. Maybe because this, I, I studied it. Um, I love it. You know, I love listening to it, but it has to be a thing where I'm put on headphones and turn it up really loud and turn the lights out. Mm-hmm. And like, I focus intently on it, but I can't play it while I'm driving. It can't be background music for me. It's always exactly the opposite. I'm always analyzing and I'm like, oh, what are they doing there? You know, like, but I'm not talking about something being background. I'm talking about the ability of getting of getting lost in it, um, and not being an analytical um, at it. So I'm not being a critic of it. Yeah. Um, I I can get lost in classical music. I have a hard time getting lost in jazz. From from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. I can't go to bed to classical music because it'll keep me up. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Hmm. The music I get lost in is like, uh, like Radiohead or something. Hmm. Um, I think partially because I don't li- ever listen to to lyrics at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hear the <clears throat> I hear the singer singing. I hear the melody, but I don't hear the words. Huh. And it's a it's a huge effort for me to to focus on what they're saying and actually hear the words. And it's almost impossible for me to do that. And understand what they're saying. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I can if, I can pick out the words a lot of times if I focus, mm. but to actually understand the point of the song or to to put that together and analyze it to to where I understand what the tune is about is I can't do it. Michael, I have an impression of you that I'm not sure if I've ever shared with you. Um, I I have this <laughs> good. <laughs> I, I have uh, on the similar line. I have a problem with live concerts. Mm. Because if it's someone that I care enough to see, I'm going to see them and then instantly feel like crap because I, instead of going to see live shows, I need to be home practicing. Yeah. And so I'll just get this urge to go practice. And then yeah. I am just horrible to watch concerts with yeah. because I just want to go. <laughs> but you went to see Esperanza Spalding and uh, the Orange Peel. Yeah. And I saw you get into it, yeah. like just just singing every word and just just getting like the mood of just concert going. And you, I see it all the time. People are just enraptured in the flow of the, like the moment and mm-hmm. just the collective experience of concerts. And right. that's something that's always sort of eluded me. Hmm. Yeah, um, there's definitely the part of me, especially, you know, I, I play bass and I I respect her playing so very much. Um, there's uh, there's definitely a part of me that was watching her hand position and you know like, mm-hmm. what can I what can I glean from this? Um, but I think I benefited also from having seen her once in the year before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of a it takes effort to turn off the musician nerd side of the brain and be able to just delve into the experience for itself. Um, but yeah, that's, that's something that I was voluntarily trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just blown away because I had never seen a three piece do that before. Yeah. 
I think I told you before, it was just mm-hmm. her. I mean, background singers played, like, sang a lot of the chordal stuff, which was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but as far as instrumentation goes, guitar, bass, drums, it was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy, you know, just the, the amount of space that they're able to fill without it, without it feeling busy or overly so, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a little bit last time, last week, uh, about what jazz is. So she, I would certainly consider her a jazz musician and one of the best in the world ever. <laughs> um, and one of, yeah, uh, she's incredible. Um, but her, so that album, the album that y'all saw the tour, I wouldn't consider that jazz. I mean, it's, it's very advanced music for sure. I wouldn't call it like rock and roll, but it also doesn't fit in with, with the traditional jazz format at all whatsoever. Um, well, would you consider it jazz? And if so, why? I wouldn't consider it strictly jazz. I feel like there's, with a lot of things that aren't trying to specifically be down one lane or another, there's so much cross-pollination at this point that it's almost useless sometimes to try to put put new music in these, these old outdated labels that we have. Um, with that said, it is very much informed by jazz music. Right, I, right. I can hear that in in the way she constructs her funk bass lines and the way the guitarist, you know, chooses his voicings. You know, you can definitely hear those yeah. influences. Yeah, um, yeah. But as a whole, it's it's something that, in my mind, kind of transcends jazz and soul and pop. Even though it's, it comprises all of those. Yeah. See, I would consider it jazz. Hmm. Um, And I I think I might be alone in this, but just in my head, what jazz means is more of an approach to music. So a more exploratory approach to music. Because what we call jazz in the 1920s is totally different than what we call modern jazz today. Like the Wayne Shorter is, is like... Yeah. Very, <laughs> they're very different things. Talk about transcendent. Yeah, exactly. Talk about <laughs> transcendent. But, um, but they're very different things. Is the similarity between those two is the way music is approached. Mm-hmm. So the way you know Charlie Parker approached bebop in the same way that that Wayne Shorter is approaching whatever it is he does, yeah. um, transcendental jazz <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and and that approach to me is what makes jazz jazz. Yeah. Um, sphere, which, yeah, that's that gets into kind of the the hairy part of, yeah, of of Mr. Haircut. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Or, yeah, I yeah. should say Touche. <laughs> Trump uh, it up, John. <laughs> Trump it up. <laughs> Don't play your Trump card too soon. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, finding the line between. How much of how much of the language that has become the canon of this of this particular style of music is present? How much of that is necessary for it to still be considered mm-hmm. the same thing, or how much of just that same approach um, and kind of sense of inspiration isn't is needed for yeah. it to be still considered jazz? And that's I, I certainly don't have a definitive answer to that question. I'm not sure who yeah. would. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I can. Yeah, I kind of have an idea in my head, but. I would consider the music that our band RK3 does in my head at least I would consider it jazz. I don't call it that to other people. <laughs> because you jazz get punched in the face. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, about people like you, jazz uh-uh. purists. Um, 
Jazz police. But but because we are approaching music in a certain way, that to me is what makes it, what gives it that. Um, And I feel like I've always been kind of a jazz outsider. Like I was, I was a little bit late to the game. Mm. I was doing, I was all into classical in school and just started to kind of get a taste of jazz and didn't even start listening to jazz until after, after I was out of music school. And like, so I never had any formal training other than just private lessons here and there. Mm. Um, so I've always felt like I'm just kind of trying to keep up with the, with the straight ahead jazz players like yourself. Um, but, but I feel like I share that same sense of exploration in music. For sure. Um, and that's what I've always wanted to do in music is something new. Mm. Like I've never, never had a desire to play bebop for ex- other than as to learn how to do it yeah. and have that as a thing that I can do. Yeah. Um, mm. What about you, John? I know you're, you're kind of in the same boat as to learning jazz later in your musical life. Definitely. Um, but jazz is a little bit different for a drummer that wants to learn about the shadings of emotional expression because drums were born in jazz. So, and anyone that wants to understand, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, it used to be the case that anyone that cared about the instrument and cared about excelling in the instrument had to go through jazz because the best modern methods of learning how to express yourself on the instrument or based in jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, metal is starting to supplant that um, extremely <laughs> quickly on in the drummer world. It's offering something different as far as uh, the, the, the range of expression on the instrument. But um, even the guys that are extreme, like metal, progressive, gent, that type of thing, they're mm-hmm. still interested in jazz for the same reasons. That mm-hmm. they're these delicate shadings of dynamics and, and sort of form and, um, and timing that it was born there. Mm-hmm. So I, you can't, as a drummer, you can't escape it. So I've always been interested in it. Um, everybody, any drummer that is like on that level, uh, anyone, uh, and if they haven't gone through jazz, they've gone back to jazz. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, any anyone that you could name. Um, Buddy Rich obviously was, you know, in, big in jazz. But even if you mention people like uh, Neil Peart or uh, John Bonham, if you l- look at those interviews or you read those interviews, they always mention jazz guys. They're mm-hmm. all their main influences are always are jazz drummers. Yeah. And for good reason. Yeah. I think a lot of that is because jazz is difficult and because jazz you know traditional jazz requires a pretty large amount of knowledge about harmony and theory and the way western music works um more so than any other kind of music i can think of well it's it's not just that jazz allowed the drummer to be an active participant in the music being created if you think about most music that uh, people consume the drums are relegated to one thing. So much so mm-hmm. that in the 80s, people were extremely afraid of losing their jobs to drum machines and the technology that was being created 
as far as like drum synthesizers because mm-hmm. they thought that okay machines can do it so we don't need to hire anybody yeah. that obviously wasn't the case um but but allowing the drummer to explore all four limbs in musical creation is the one is the thing that jazz brought to the table hmm there's always been snare drummers or hand percussionists and all this stuff in other cultures. Mm-hmm. But the drum set was born in the United States and was matured in jazz. That's true. Yeah. I could say the same about the electric bass, though. Um, I mean, it came about kind of later in the history of jazz. Mm-hmm. But that's every... I mean, every great electric bass player... I can think of up until maybe very recently had that, that skill, you know, was either a jazz musician or played jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but where did, um, where did the walking baseline come from? Jazz. Jazz. So that was yeah. an American thing, but uh, I don't know. Um, it, like 600 years ago in Baroque music, mm-hmm. bass lines were improvised over a figured bass. Mm hmm. So, which was a very similar kind of thing. So I can't say that jazz really originated that, that style. Mm. I mean, the bass instrument wasn't around then, but the, the idea, the musical concept was, was the same. Mm. The predecessor to uh, chord symbols on a lead sheet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Hmm. I know I bypassed the entire personal part of that conversation. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I feel like I've already. Tell I'm us an- about your feelings. I, <laughs> I feel like I may have answered that question in the past before. Yes, there are parts of my um, musical development that have come up really late and I'm extremely insecure about, like my jazz playing. Um, but I feel like it's. I would love to be a bebop player. I would I would hate to just be a bebop player. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that's always the fear, right? That you spend so much time doing one thing that you're not going to be able to do any other thing that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, like the last year I've spent learning how to use all this shit that I've surrounded myself with. Mm. And, and by and shit, he means... <laughs> expensive things that break all the right. time. <laughs> yeah. Like a bunch of pedals. And yeah, music. yeah. Built himself a um, built himself a star truck over there. I did, <laughs> I, did. I did with a little help from my friends. Yeah. I, I do want you guys to discuss trip. that just a little bit that session because yeah. I mean even though it was short lived, I think you guys were trying to do the whole improv thing. Yeah. yeah, I wish there was more of that session to discuss. I do. Too. I, um, it only happened the two times, right? Yeah, yeah. And but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And listening back to it. We got into some places, you know, I played things on the bass I never, ever would have thought of before. And like a lot of it was because we were just playing off each other. I was listening to you and listening to Jovan and like, um, but it was a really, really free session. Maybe some of the freest music I've ever played, which allowed these cool things to happen. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree. I was definitely playing some things that I hadn't gotten to before, even if not specifically uh, in terms of voicings or things like that, just in, in terms of the cross-section of the harmony that yeah. you were bringing and the rhythm that he was bringing, meeting in ways that were unprecedented and unpredictable yeah. um, and thoroughly exciting. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that we just got out of the Star Truck and hopped on stage and yeah. it was like, 
What's our first song? We're playing <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's already started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. We should do that more. Yeah. So stay tuned, listeners. Somebody's. Could be my phone hanging up on the ceiling over there. Probably is. Uh, yeah, there it is. Hey. 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 Does that mean that that video needs to be restarted, though? It might be worth checking. Oh. We'll be back after these messages. John, give us a little improv vocal uh, interlude music. Okay. The vocal <laughs> interlude music. Got it. <laughs> exactly what was supposed to happen <laughs> yeah exactly that was straight from the star truck right there yeah, yeah. oh my god <laughs> i cannot possibly feel any better about that <laughs> you told me an important piece of improv um <clears throat> advice once john you said just don't say no you yeah can. yeah so that was me not saying no. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly yeah i still think about that probably once a show i mean it, at least when i'm improvising is like even or even in uh even doing the cover band thing mm. um somebody might do something like slow down or speed up or uh play something a little differently and i have to even if i don't like it aesthetically mm-hmm. even if they do something i don't like i have to just go with it mm-hmm. um that's the case as a bass player, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to play with drummers who don't have good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's been a struggle for me over the years because I want to keep playing the same tempo and like look at the drummer and be like, come on, dude, just yeah. don't slow down. Um, or, or just like keep playing the same tempo and the drummer has to just kind of like hang on. Yeah. But when I do that, it sounds bad. Yeah. And ev- nobody in the audience will know that it's because the drummer's slowing down and I'm not. Yeah. Um, so I just have to kind of accept it. Yeah. And it always sounds a lot better. It ends up working out better when I just play with the drummer, regardless of where the drummer goes. If he's slowing down, speeding up, whatever, I just follow. I yeah. just say yes. And they're just like, okay, we're slowing down. Yeah. You know? That's the rule of the ensemble. That's the one thing that I've, I've had to teach my students and you know you may people may disagree with me out there but if the ensemble doesn't sound good you failed yeah Yeah. right so if you are super confident in your timing abilities and you're at this one place in your fill and you know where the one is but no one else got it and everyone else is somewhere else yeah then it's your responsibility to go to where everyone else is for the sake of the cohesion of the group yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah that that rule has taken me 15 years to learn (laughs) and i still struggle with it i still want to do the right thing regardless or the correct thing regardless Mm -hmm. but uh 
The right thing and the correct thing always aren't the same. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes it's the left thing that you need to do. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've been talking about improvising. Do you guys want to do that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Yeah.
soon enough yeah like really funny <laughs> laughing is the funniest part <laughs> that makes me just laugh even more and then it's just like are you ready John yeah <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> That's as far as I've gotten with it. I think you figured it out, man. <laughs> it's going to be in a podcast, at least. It so. should always be that. Yeah. <laughs> just in the middle of an improv. Just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I entirely support that decision. <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> well, I gotta try, just because it's Mr. Haircut, I gotta try this one. Eating could be like that all the time. <laughs> I feel like that that sound expresses the look on my face whenever someone is eating with their mouth open anyway. <laughs> I think someone <laughs> fell out of my mouth. I was looking for it. Ah, it's cool. The bugs will get it. <laughs> I wish you podcasters could hear could hear John Green's face right now. Yeah. That was that was about right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it 
it's like if an evil villain were eating pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> that's every time that Trump signs an executive order. Oh. That's the music. Drum, 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 drum. Huge. You gotta say huge. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> hey, John, that joke was really huge. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. Sorry. Gotta make this podcast huge again. <laughs> this, All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, John. I'm, I'm sorry. Those, those are gonna be the Mr. Haircut hats whenever we get merch. The first thing we need to get is red hats that say, make this podcast huge again. <laughs> Apostrophe U G E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So jazz. <laughs> so back to music. Yeah. Um, so John, what are your thoughts on music? Go. Wow. <laughs> Good. Good answer. Good answer. Michael. Yes. Mm hmm. Agreed. Yeah. All the way around. I would say that's a consensus. That's definitely my, yeah. Yeah. My views. You want to know what I think about music? <laughs> yeah, what do you think, John? <laughs> Mr. Ray Ray J. Huge! That's really funny, Jonathan. You just, I don't know why you're not getting it, man. <laughs> don't you like it when somebody tells you something's funny that you don't think's right? funny? <laughs> And it's my fault. Yeah. And then my it's my problem. How dare you not share my specific <laughs> weird sense of humor on this thing? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like when I when I told John that I don't like Tim and Eric. Oh, let's not go. Let's not get into that. Let's not open up old wounds, right? <laughs> have you ever seen Tim and Eric? I have. Well, yeah. What, what do you think about Tim and Eric? Uh, it's a little hit or, uh, hit or miss for me. It's a uh, generally pretty ridiculous um but there's the one sketch with the uh the gravy robber <laughs> like things like that mm -hmm. I, I i can't i can't not laugh at that i would agree with hit or miss it's definitely hit or yeah. miss but i feel like that's the way my music is it's pretty hit or miss fair, fair enough <laughs> yeah improvised music in general is, is sort of hit or miss yeah the goal is to to be hitting more than not hitting but yeah. And to hit hard when you do hit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hit him with the gravy, robber. <laughs> Snatch the gravy up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think we're alienating our drummer over here. I think, I think we are. He didn't know how huge Tim and Eric is. Yeah. I'm trying to fall into the blackness that is my pop filter right now. <laughs> I see you hiding your face from us. <laughs> I just want to fall into the void. <clears throat> just watch out for that event horizon. The first steps are doozy. Did you guys know um, 
I, this is completely 100% random. Um, do you guys know what the call of the void is? No. Ever step out on a ledge and mm. and you heard sort of this nagging feeling or this thought of jumping? Yeah. Even yep. if you, that's the call of the void. I see. If you're okay. driving your car and you're like on a bridge and then you could say you think oh just one slight turn of the real wheel and i'm just yeah. out there and mm-hmm. that's that's what that is yeah. what is that more specifically like what the just the psychology community is kind of split from the freudian camp the death wish camp yeah. mm-hmm. um pe- the people that already believe that we sort of have a death wish as it is and they just call it that okay but um i'm not sure I'm not sure where that what that is or where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely experienced that quite often. Yeah. This is a, I guess this need to escape on some level. Mm-hmm. I I really would like to play a Call of the Void um, improv. Ooh. Let's do it. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Dial in my call of the void sound. Can you turn my mic back on? Yeah. Turn my mic back on for a second. So there's a reason I want to choose this one specifically because of that. It's almost like this game of how much of our subconscious has come out like that thought or going for that phrase do we do it or do we not and if going for that particular musical event could that spell t- catastrophe for the rest of the <laughs> <event>? <laughs> so that's the spirit and that i have in mind going into this
last words. I love you, Bob. <laughs> I'm glad you said last and not final. That could have <laughs> right, right. could have come off very differently. <laughs> Any final requests? I do have one last thing to say. Yeah. Um, it's a. Uh, it's been it's been a real pleasure um, interacting with you guys in an improvisatory manner. <laughs> Once again, John doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> oh, the look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look so disappointed, man. <laughs> Some people will think it's funny, maybe. Yeah. This is my I just lost all hope in humanity thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure has been very big having you here. It's been huge. It's been huge. It's been huge. It's been huge. <laughs> well, the pressure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Thank John. He's the one who put up with our shitty vocoder jokes. That's true. Thank yeah. you for putting <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been that bad. It's only been within the past 30 minutes or so. <laughs> but continually. And it just looks suddenly. like it's building up fast for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That thing is like a vaccine for patience. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's the name of the episode this week. <laughs> Vaccine for patients. Vaccine I think for we patients. found it. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so hope- my thing is how do we yeah. spell patience? Ah, uh, yep. I mean, I think the CE would be most uh, contextually accurate. I would say so. What are, what are what are the options like? Patients and patients? patients is is people that you normally give vaccines to, right? Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, yeah. I would say with C. Yeah, I would say C. Yeah, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really hope you can pleasure me again, and I know John, you will pleasure me again tomorrow. My, actually, my deadly deadpan. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a deadpan snarker over here. <laughs> With that, yeah. wait a minute, is that a joke sense of humor? Yeah. Yeah. Is he serious right now? Is, what did happen? Yeah. <laughs> is he is, is he is he mad? <laughs> no, dude, you just used a pun. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> All right, that's no more. This is starting to become a hate crime. <laughs>